SwissMed On Call, a bi-weekly podcast from the Wisconsin Medical Society that looks at some of the top issues affecting patients and the practice of medicine in Wisconsin. I'm your host, Peter Welch, Vice President of Strategy and Partnerships, and joining me today is Dr. Lisa Maurer, an emergency medicine physician who practices in the Milwaukee area. She is a member of both the Wisconsin Medical Society and the American College of Emergency Physicians, and is currently serving as the president of the Wisconsin chapter. Dr. Maurer, welcome. Thanks for having me, Peter. So one of the topics we've discussed a few times on this podcast is the issue of physician burnout. And while there's an ever-increasing body of research that points to both causes of burnout and the magnitude of the problem, finding ways to address it isn't that easy. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but first, Dr. Maurer, can you tell us when you knew you wanted to be a doctor, and more specifically, why you decided to go into emergency medicine? Sure. Um, I didn't know I wanted to be a doctor until I was over halfway through college, and I thought I actually wanted to do research. Um, So it wasn't too far off, but I was pipetting away in a research lab at the University of Minnesota, and I just thought, I can't do this anymore. Right, Right. so so then I changed my course and and ended up in medical school there as well. That's great. And where'd you go to medical school? The University of Minnesota as well. Uh, uh, Got in off the skin of my teeth on the wait list. (laughs) But now I'm a doctor, and so it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. So why emergency medicine, then? Um, I remember someone showing me a spectrum and saying, okay, do you want sick people, <laughs> sick patients, or well patients? Do you want to know them for a short period of time or a long period of time? And so I obviously thought I would enjoy helping sick people that I don't know for very long. <laughs> but I... Um, I waitressed a lot through um, high school and college and medical school, and I think it. I really always enjoyed that job very much, and I, I think it's very much like being a medical waitress huh. in a way. Um, not to demean my emergency medicine colleagues, but, um, you know, you got 10 plates in the air. You're very much making sure everyone feels and knows that you're thinking about them and use... Um, uh, multitasking and fast moving, and um, so it's more the logistics of the job that I think I ended up loving, um, as well as the medicine, obviously. That's fantastic. What uh, so? What's your practice like today? Oh, um, I work in an independent democratic group called Emergency Medicine Specialists. It's about I don't I kind of lose track, maybe forty or fifty physicians. We work with around, I would say, 100 um, uh, nurse practitioners and uh, physician's assistants. And we work at five different emergency departments and two urgent cares all over the Milwaukee metro area and now also in Racine County in the last year. Um, And it's just like a big, happy, dysfunctional family. I love our crew. (laughs) And um, we are all very close and, and then and just kind of working to continue to be close as we grow. It's that mm-hmm. productive conflict, right? Yeah, right. Everyone has their roles. It's a little suspicious if, no, if there's no conflict. <laughs> so about a month ago, you wrote a column that caught our attention titled mm-hmm. My So-Called Life. Mm-hmm. And in it, although you didn't specifically use the term burnout, you were definitely described experiencing some of those symptoms in your own practice. Mm-hmm. How were you able to work through that, and what lessons did you learn? You know, and I, 
I, I didn't specifically use the word burnout because even then I don't know that I really identified myself as being burned out. I was just more so trying to write something about the experience of, um, you know, change in practice at work. And I think that is part of the a, a talking point, if you will, that we don't necessarily recognize it as burnout when it happens. But um, I would say the the lessons I learned and, and what I how I got through that time period was um, was trying to and this is partly pathologic I think but <laughs> partially trying to just make the most of my time and really try to pull out of my own gut kind of what I felt was the most the most important use of my time and then focus my time on that and so. The you know the piece was um, describing a point in our practice in our group where we um, were working more clinically than than we typically do, and so that the phenomenon of of burnout was really brought to the forefront and um, more obvious than it typically is. I think things I tried to do was to focus on what makes me happy and then just not give on on those priorities. And, and then that, I think that's different for everyone, but for me, it's, um, you know, trying to make sure that exercise is a part of my everyday or at once a week ish, I should say. <laughs> um, and I, even though in, in times when I'm busy in the last couple of years, I've realized that actually spending time with my kids rather than having time alone is kind of life-giving or time with my friends or time with my husband rather than time alone is is energy-giving and life-giving. And so I tried to make sure that there was um, time regularly where I was able to, to um, be with those people who are so important to me. Um, a- another thing that is important to me and is sort of life-giving and energy-giving is um, being outdoors and so I always try to carve out a little five-minute, um, you know, vitamin D session once in a while or a breath of fresh air. But, again, I, f- I feel like those aspects are different for everyone. Well, that's mm-hmm. great. I, I know a lot of our members struggle to find that balance. But, you know, as the research shows, taking that time off to recoup and recharge makes you better in your job. You think yeah. maybe more work will right. make it better, but really taking a break right. and, and scheduling that time to right. recoup is so crucial. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what changed in your practice and what led you to describe the drowning in work idea and, and losing contact with your real life? Was there a moment that you recognized, i got to do something? I know I did, I did read the article and you, you talk about having that moment of launching off where you say, I've got my Google Calendar ready, everything's yes. scheduled. The plan is perfect, but the best laid plans, of course, right? Right. I, I, again, I feel like my experience was a little bit atypical, and then there was going to be this very discreet time in my practice that I knew was just going to be to the wall, um, a little bit different than my everyday. And so we could, in a way, prepare for it, and I knew there was going to be an end. So that is unique, uh, although not unlike residency, in a way. So although I knew that this distinct time period was coming for me, I didn't really recognize that my um, best intentions weren't really cutting it Mm. until I would say a few months into it, maybe even four or five months into it, which, uh, you know, fortunately was near the end of this time of increased clinical, um, uh, you know, uh, demands for me. But I would say that I 
kind of recognized it in a few things, um, both at home and at work. And I, I feel like this kind of gets to the question of how do you recognize burnout? And I have to clarify, again, I did not really, <laughs> but I knew something, I knew my plan wasn't working is what I knew. I, I recognized it at home in that I um, was, and I guess this is home and work, I recognized that I was more apathetic, that I would go through my day and, it, you know, we kind of, many of us in medicine lo- know the, the screening signs of depression. And, um, and one of them is, are you just not finding joy in the things that you used to do and some it reminded me of that it wasn't full-blown like that but it it was a flavor of that Mm -hmm. I could still very much have fun doing the things that I enjoy doing but in the more mundane moments of my day I would find myself feeling just blah and um, maybe for lack of better terms that's really, I think, what it felt like where, you know, I'm emptying the dishwasher, I'm getting the kids on the bus, I'm um, just, you know, at the store or I'm in my car. I think I would typically have a little bit more pep in my step. But during that time, I just felt dampened or um, blunted. And and I just noticed it in my everyday where you'd where I'd wake up and just feel a little bit lackluster about what I was going to do that day. So it wasn't as um, dra- you know, drastic as what I would e- expect someone to respond to when we ask them that question. Do you not find joy in the things you typically, <laughs> or, you know, however you say it? But it was a flavor of that. Um, and then I would also say I experienced that kind of apathy at work in that um, typically I'm very motivated to help my patients. I am, as I mentioned in my article, you know, I'm a very empathetic person, a sympathetic person, however you want to put it. But at work, I found that I was less so, very much less so, where, you know, people, especially in the emergency department, you can always kind of explain away how did they get there, how, what landed them in the emergency department, although I'm sure this could be generalized to every sort of practice. You know, if they only took better care of themselves in way X, Y, or Z, then they wouldn't have needed me. And sort of um, not really finding a space in my own um, thinking to have empathy for other people. And so I think that those, those, that, that widespread apathy, both at home and at work was where I sort of knew, you know, my plan was not working. Not to mention, I would much rather have like been anywhere but work um, at times. And uh, my dream was to sit in a room by myself and stare at a white wall at times. So (laughs) you kind of knew something was not adding up. (laughs) So has it where are you at now with with this struggle and and with the practice you know have you have you come out of that that moment of of darkness and and what did it take to get you there definitely and it was um and it was so clear that once i started once i stopped working so much it was easy. It went back to my normal self. Mm. In a way, it was a very weird experiment of (laughs) just putting a subject through a different kind of work life and watching the changes. And then I would say, I don't know, a week, Mm. two weeks after going back to my um, less demanding clinical load, 
I felt the differences almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes to show also that taking uh, a day or two of a break from a from a typically pretty heavy load of of stress um, can can make a world of difference. I would also say though that um, maybe it was easier to bounce back because some of the things that I do on a typical uh, in in my typical life <laughs> are also life-giving and so um um honestly I I know this sounds like a plug for the Wisconsin Medical <laughs> Society but I, I I tend to find that I have less stress at work if I can take some ownership in what's going on around me and to me and to my patients and so um, I do some work through organized medicine through, as, as Peter mentioned, through a few different um, organizations. And I think that that is helpful. Um, I also feel that it's helpful to kind of participate in structuring my own clinical practice. And for me, that's because I work in a independent physician group, but I'm sure that that has all different flavors, regardless of your practice experience from you know, being on the committee that kind of creates the clinical policy that you have to live and breathe every day to being on the committee that helps to modify and update your electronic health record to, um, you know, participating in creating your own call schedule. I feel like even if it's wrenching, if you did it to yourself, there's some, there's less frustration with it. And it's like a frustrating uh, exercise routine. You're doing this to yourself, but you're doing it for your own good. Right, right. Well, that's something we hear, too, is that you know autonomy in practice is such a huge yeah. part of helping burnout, you know, or help, helping relieve burnout. Mm-hmm. What do you tell that physician who's in a huge system who maybe is struggling with that autonomy? You think those little, those little victories are, are enough to get them on the right track? Absolutely. Um, I think that there's so many ways you can kind of participate in that bigger system that it would, to me at least, and I can only speak from my personal experience, but it makes a big difference in how I look at those external forces every day if I know I had some say in them. Um, I think one big one that tends, at least currently, tends to really frustrate people and add a lot of non-clinical load to our supposed-to-be-clinical jobs is working with... um, you know, government and insurance regulations throughout your day with the billing and coding of, of our practice. Um, but I can tell you from being involved in the process, you know, the, the way that your physician group or your hospital or your um, health system kind of responds to those regulations is up for a little bit of interpretation. And so I've actually participated in trying to decide, okay, how are we as physicians in our group going to um, collect the data that we need for those regulations and how are we going to submit it. And then then every day when I look at my charts and I'm, I'm having to kind of check this box and include this generic statement that may be for regulation purposes, it, it hurts a little less. Do you have any other advice uh, for your colleagues out there who may be struggling with a similar situation or about to see their clinical load increase? For sure. I, I would say... A couple of things, um, and again, this might just be me, but I I found that it was so foreign to my everyday thought to focus on what I needed and what actually made me happy to kind of go into that time of stress 
that um, over the years during waxing and waning stress, I've actually found it useful to talk to other people to really figure out what makes me tick because, I again, I think it's different for everyone. I know it's different for my husband and myself and um, my colleagues. Everyone has a different personality. I, I've talked to colleagues about it. I've talked to friends about it. I've talked to therapists about it. I've talked to, you know, um, people in our um, organized medicine kind of like wellness committees about what people typically need to kind of carve out time for themselves. But I would really, even if you're not feeling burned out right now, I would take this time to kind of prepare for when you find yourself burned out to say to yourself, like, what is it that makes me happy? So when you're um, going at full speed and you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to cut out one hour a week for myself. What are you even going to put in that hour? Because it might be staring at a blank wall, but it also might be going to a festival or, you know, exercising or, you know, fill in the blank. It's kind of, I think, a whole process to even fit, figure out what you put in that blank hour. The other thing is I recently heard a talk. It, it was by Dr. Anahita Kalantari who did a who did a presentation at the FEM and EM Idea Exchange, the FIX conference. And, and her speech was, or her talk was so good, it was spliced into a different like podcast for emergency physicians. But she referenced that the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a is kind of a it's not a new idea, but I actually found it pretty um, uh, illuminating when thinking about what do I need to make myself well or keep myself well. And there's so many of the very basic themes that I don't think physicians do. Honestly, we don't do them. They're not eating well. We don't oh do gosh, it. We don't. The yeah, we don't. Or we don't eat. You know, I mean, I, I mean, how many times do you get to the end of your day at work and you're like, I didn't eat anything except for Lorna Dunes and some saltines with peanut butter or like, I mean, sleep. Um, I, I don't know anyone that I work with who doesn't have financial concerns going, you know, as a, as a medical student and resident, you're accruing so much debt and then not able to be prepared to know how to tackle that. I know there's a lot of resources in the medical society to help with that. Um, But even kind of taking a, turning an eye to your own health. I mean, everyone has their own health problems and I ignore mine. I don't know about you all. (laughs) I'm trying to always be better about that. (laughs) Or um, I know a lot of us also um, face uh, violence in the workplace in all different flavors. And I don't know if that's more prominent in the emergency department, but um, I don't think that that's too unique to my practice and always trying to kind of make work feel like a safer place. Um, I think if you kind of are working on those needs in a time of lesser stress and make sure that your typical fallback pattern or your place of work meets those needs, then when a time of stress comes, you might be well, more more prepared than typical. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Maurer, thank you so much for taking the time to record this with me. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I wish you the best of luck uh, in your continued practice. Thank you so much. So that'll wrap up this edition of WISMED On Call. If you like what you heard, please visit our website, www.wisconsinmedicalsociety.org and look for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. If you have suggestions or feedback, send an email to communications at wismed.org. Thank you for listening.